Welcome to the College of Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined today by Kyle McKelvey and by Riley Zayas for some interviews later on. Today on the podcast, we're recapping the super regional action as well as looking ahead to the College World Series. Let's talk college baseball. Hey, Kyle, what's the difference between wakeboarding and wake surfing? Uh, does it involve wake forest? Probably. No, this was a, not a joke. <laughs> this was a literal question because I know there's this trope in the in the college football world of like, don't plan fall weddings. And I feel like we need the equivalent of don't plan spring bachelor parties because somebody, a.k.a. you, was a little MIA this weekend, apparently learning yeah. or I don't know, learning, but doing wake surfing and wake boarding instead of wake foresting. Bam, there's the joke. <laughs> Then there's the bringing it into bat, to baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not my fault. It was uh, poor planning by one of our friends who just, you know, couldn't get on the, the weddings in October. We could have done a ski trip in like January. That would have, wouldn't have interfered with anything, but we decided so best to do of a both summer worlds. trip. Uh, the, yeah. Breaking up the college world series as well as college football fall. <laughs> exactly. Like right in the middle, but well, we got there in the end, and it was it was really hot in Austin this weekend, so we tried to cool down the water a little bit, and yeah, we we spent a lot of time in the water and not actually up on the wakeboard, because it's very hard to wakeboard, apparently. Yeah, uh, I buy it. I've never wakeboarded myself, but uh, yeah, it seems like you, you'd need more back muscle than what I currently have. <laughs> yeah, apparently me too. All right, enough about wakeboarding. Let's dive into our top story, and our top story... We could choose from any of the supers because they were all so good, but I want to say our top story has got to be Oral Roberts continuing on their quote Cinderella run. And I love the idea of having a Cinderella in the sense that Oral Roberts is a four seed, especially a year in which Omaha has the number one, two, five, seven, and eight overall seeds still in it. So in a year in which we have plenty of the top eight seeds making it all the way to Omaha, we do have one four seed Oral Roberts, as well as a couple of two seeds joining the crowd in the College World Series. But I do want to counter a little bit saying that I don't know if Cinderella is the perfect term to describe Oral Roberts because they did win over 50 games. They are top right. 10 in the country in all sorts of statistics, 23 and 1 in the Summit League. They were 2-0 against Oklahoma State in the regular season, also knocked them off in the Stillwater Regional, just went on the road to Oregon, Pac-12 tournament champ, and won a series on the road at Oregon, something that many schools didn't do this year, for instance, like Stanford, right? I think Stanford lost their series at Oregon this year. So this is the, this is a team that probably could have hung in some of the, quote, power conferences, but their Cinderella run does continue on all the way to the College World Series. Yeah, and this is just the third four seed to make the Omaha make Omaha in the since the field expanded in 1999. The last one was a 2012 Stony Brook. They went to Omaha. They went four and one, so they had to come out of the losers bracket in their in their regional, and then they went two and one. So they they pretty much went the distance everywhere. They went zero oh and two in Omaha, but that's okay. They still it's still like a, a tough road. And then the last four seed before that actually won the entire thing. They, they yeah. dominated their way. Fresno State in 2008 dominated their way to a 2-0 College World Series, or maybe 2-1 over Georgia, and it was a it was really nice. It was really, yeah, yeah. Fresno State actually lost two games at, in Omaha. Just the, the max you can <laughs> still win the national title in the bracket, and then yeah, yeah, one one in each round. 
Uh, fun fact now that Oral Roberts has done it, the four seed is now three and O in super regional game threes. So all three super or all three four seeds right. that have advanced to Omaha had to do it in game threes and obviously had to win game threes. So moral of the story is if you're gonna eliminate a four seed, do it fast in a super or, <laughs> or else yeah. they're going to Omaha. We don't have to worry about the small sample size there, right? It's not a problem. No, small sample size BS. But <laughs> Oral Roberts um will bring their contingency of uh quite formidable arms as well as a, a batting. Uh, a lineup that bats over 300. So one of the statistical darlings of the postseason, but they're going to run up against seven really solid teams. So let's head into our pickup recap where we picked the super regional. So this is basically going to be a super regional recap. I, uh, I, I want to take a pause here, Kyle. I was four and oh in supers. How did you do in supers? Um, I was also four and oh. So does does that mean that we were a perfect eight for eight in picking supers? I think it does. Uh, in addition to does. that, our preseason or our uh, postseason predictor algorithm also was a perfect eight and zero. Oh. So uh, we had a, a good weekend for the the college baseball nation family of predictions. <laughs> it does it does feel nice when it like makes us look like we know what we're talking about. I like seeing all this green on our on our spreadsheet here. It's, yeah, all mine these checks. has been a lot of red. <laughs> yeah, successful week for sure. Let's talk uh, about all of our correct picks. So maybe let's alternate a little bit. I'm going to go Oral Roberts at Oregon first because we've already touched on it. I think one of the most impressive things about Oral Roberts super regional victory over Oregon was that they lost game one and they lost game one in one of the most soul crushing manners possible. They had an eight run lead and blew that lead eventually as Oregon walked them off in the bottom of the ninth. Kind of wild because... Oral Roberts earlier this postseason in the Stillwater Regional overcame an eight-run deficit against Washington, another Pac-12 team. So I don't know if we'll ever see that feat repeated of in a regional round defeating a team after being down by eight and then a super losing to a team after being up by eight and add the fact that they're in the same conference. (laughs) So... (laughs) Oral Roberts versus the Pac-12 is going to be something interesting. And also, that was one of my biggest takeaways from this series. It's like, I want this non-con series. I want Oral Roberts and Oregon to play every year because that was so much fun to watch. But um, yeah, these crowds seem to really into it and really wild. It's I don't, I don't know. Someone said it on the, during the during the week, like on Twitter or something. But this Oregon fan base really likes their baseball. I know they didn't have baseball for a while, but they they get into it. So they showed up these these fans. Yeah, honestly, probably the biggest surprise of the weekend for me was seeing base almost 5000 fans in Eugene and when Oregon was down 8 nothing they were still like cheering strikes booing bad calls <laughs> by the umps like they were so in that game and you got to figure that played at least some small part in Oregon mounting a comeback but i mean that was Probably, I don't think it's much of an exaggeration to say one of the biggest moments in Oregon baseball history was coming back and winning that game one of the Super. Obviously, it would be remembered more fondly had Oregon advanced to Omaha, and they didn't. But still, that was one of the single coolest uh, postseason events, uh, moments we've had definitely in this year's College World Series and in recent years of seeing a, a home team walk off after being down by eight. But because of the weird home away flipping that happens in supers or Roberts actually walked off Oregon in game two. So back-to-back walk-offs in that series before finally game three, a little bit, a little bit cozier, a little bit more of a comfortable win for Oral Roberts, but no win in game three. No game three is ever comfortable when Omaha's on the line, but Oral Roberts did the deed and advanced to Omaha. Kyle, tell me about your first series. 
Yeah, my first series was Southern Miss and Tennessee. Tennessee won that series. I, I thought they would. I thought that this was like the the turnaround, like I, seeing what they could do not in their own house in the regional round and actually win it, like win some games, uh, and especially a close game against a really hot Clemson team. That was what I like pretty much all I needed to see from like figure out that curse of the Tennessee road series this year. And they showed out and like threw a bunch of rain delays. I don't I can't count how many hours of rain delays there were. It feels like it was like a whole day missed of baseball. But every time um, I checked the weather radar, it was like giant red blob heading through Hattiesburg. <laughs> why couldn't that go a little bit west towards me and cool it cool us down in Austin? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tennessee won game one. It was kind of a like Andrew Lindsay got a little bit beaten up, but four four and runs over four innings and Still, it was enough for 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 Southern Miss to well, I guess it was enough that for Southern Miss to win that series and kind of shut down these Tennessee bats and only allowed four hits on this on the game. Yeah, win and that then, game, not that series, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Tennessee came back the next day. Chase Dollander went eight innings, uh, gave up four runs also, but it was luckily all combined into one inning. And it was a bad inning, but. Tennessee bats showed out again, responded with a six, six run inning. And this Tennessee pitching staff is, is just really good. Chase Burns. He, he's been electric. I don't know if something else. We saw that. Yeah. yeah. He threw 102 to strike out and, and shut down the Southern miss threat late in the game. And God, that was just a, an electric video to watch where he did the like stomping thing where he's going, let's go and just screaming. It was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, apparently he's being like investigated if he made like a I throat saw. cutting motion or something. As soon as I saw that happen in the video, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be good. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully the NCAA probably... doesn't do anything to them and suspend him. Yeah, you don't want to. I mean, he's one of their best bullpen arms for sure. And yeah, that would be really unfortunate. But Tennessee came out the next day and shut out Southern Miss and their own ballpark as the home team. Uh, I guess they won the coin flip. Yeah, do you know what's kind of wild? Last year, uh, Ole Miss shut out Southern Miss in both of those games in the Hattiesburg Super. And in this Super Regional, again in Hattiesburg, uh, Southern Miss was held to 15 straight scoreless innings to finish off the Super. Yeah, (laughs) back-to-back years, the Southern Miss offense kind of goes quiet in uh, some big moments. I had Indiana State at TCU, and TCU is a team with their hair on fire right now. They are playing with all the momentum in the world. That first game, 4-1 game, super competitive, super well-pitched. I left, uh, honestly, TCU beat Indiana State. I left pretty impressed by Indiana State. Like, that defense was really a really good defensive team. Um, But TCU advances to the College World Series for uh, the sixth time if memory serves me correct correct in program history and all of that is in the last decade right 2013 i think is their first appearance man i'm, I'm botching these yeah, I, I googled all these facts recently they had four in a row at one point and i want to say it culminated in 2017 that was their last yeah. one. yeah okay you're right about that 2014 to 2017 their first one was 2010 though it was a little bit yeah. off by that but prior to that 2010 College World Series, uh, they'd only made the NCAA tournament twice. Yeah. Um, nope, that's not true. 
They prior, prior to 2003, they only made the NCAA tournament twice. So they were a, a no-name team. 2010, they make the first college world series. They do it four years in a row. They're back under Kirk Sarlos. First time Sarlos has made it to the college world series with his team. Obviously, it's only a second season as the head coach for him. Um, I don't I don't know what else you could ask for Sarlos. This was uh, uh, we've heard the narrative of 23 and 20 dead in the water TCU. TCU is obviously playing their base, best baseball at the end of the year. I'm curious what your thoughts are when we get to, to the College World Series pick them later. Is this a team that's actually a threat in Omaha or is this kind of their ceiling? But we'll get to that in a little bit. Tell me about your next series, Kyle. My next series was an electric one, Texas and at Stanford. Uh, at first game, I thought Stanford had it. There, I mean, there were like a few like t- Texas tied it up on a Kennedy home run in the, in the fifth inning. And then Stanford responded with a few more home runs of their own. And they were up comfortably up three with in the ninth inning about to close it out. And then there was a missed fly ball, I guess, is that what happened? It was just, yeah. Center fielder crossed in front of the right fielder and it actually hit inside the right fielder's glove, but almost oh. a collision. Yeah. It was just miscommunication <laughs> in the outfield is the short, short story. Yeah, and so then that allowed two runs to come in, and then a ground out got another one in to tie it up in the top of the ninth, and then uh, Porter Brown just cleared the bases. No, well, emptied the bases, I guess, with two run two runs single to put it up, and then Stanford couldn't respond in the bottom of the inning. So Texas took game one. Stanford then responded the next day with just a bunch of runs of their own. They a lot of home runs, a lot of singles, and they. It looked really good. Quinn Matthews, that, I think Quinn Matthews is the story of this game, going nine <laughs> innings, striking out 16 Texas batters with, on 156 pitches. Is his arm jello now? Like, what, what's happening there? Yeah, in an in-game interview the next day, Quinn Matthews said, you know, I've been stretching out to 120, 130 pitches pretty consistently this season. I have some mixed feelings about this. He's not necessarily a super high velo guy, so it's like maybe it's mildly better. But he's also, I can't remember, he's like six foot three, like a hundred and like eighty pounds. Like he's like a pretty skinny guy. And yeah. uh, it just feels like to generate the spin that he does, it's gotta be gotta be hard on his arm. It it does seem like he, he kind of reminds me of a, a like a pitcher from the early nineteen hundreds, just like really lanky and <laughs> just can throw sixty complete games on the year or something it, just, it feels like he's got yeah. that kind of i mean still throwing but... like low 90s right it's not like he's like throwing yeah. like 54 or whatever they threw in 1900 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah i don't think they had that many texas had that many runners left on base so there weren't like it didn't seem like there were like, that many high stress innings like i don't know i see i see that that get thrown around a lot when pitchers work up their count and they come back in a few days later. It's like, oh, there weren't that many high stress pitches. So he seems okay. But I, it's still 90 and a lot of spin rate. That, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, hopefully we don't see Tommy John announced here for the next, in the next couple of months. Cause he's a legitimate, he, legitimate draft prospect for the 2023 yeah. draft, like first couple of rounds. So like he could be signing for hundreds of thousands, if not low millions of dollars, possibly assuming he, his medicals checks out. And then game three was, so wild it was another back and forth game texas stormed back tied it up in the eighth and then in the bottom of the ninth stanford's alberto rios uh hit a double question a a walk-off home run right right (laughs) that's what everyone thought yeah everyone everyone in the bar the ballpark thought it was a walk-off home run and it 
I mean, on the on the camera, it looked like a walk off home run, but it just snuck in. It it kind of got lost in that Pac twelve logo out in left field. Yeah, I want to like field counter that. It was like off the bottom of the wall. I think this was just like, I think this is a lesson in like why cults exist. Like, like I think it was just like a mass hallucination. Like everyone really <laughs> wanted it to go over the wall, and so everyone together saw it go over the wall. But like. It hit the base of the wall. It was like, it wasn't like off the top of the wall. It was like, it, it needed a couple more feet before that ball was gone for sure. Yeah, I, I, we all believed it. I guess it was based on like the announcer got a little confused too. Oh, so yeah. We and that's got confused. confused. The dugout, I mean, the Stanford dugout was running onto the field, right? So, like, yeah. easy to get confused as an announcer if you see that happening. And Rios chucked his helmet between first there and second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then realized that the ball was coming in. So he had to sprint to second real fast. He got there safely. So, it, yeah. But that would have ended the inning right there if he, if he didn't get there in time. Because I think there's yep. two outs at the time. Yep. Yep. At least there was some, you know, regular old heroics after that, right, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Super easy. Just like a regular, it goes down as a single in, in the book, but <laughs> a really high pop fly that gets got lost in the high night Stanford sky, I guess. And the, Four Texas players, like defenders, missed it, and and it just landed right in the middle. And you could see the surrender cobra, and they all just went to their went to their feet, like or went to their knees, I guess. And yeah, and then Rios came around to score. That was pretty a tragic. Yeah. yeah, pretty tragic. I yeah, it's a terrible way for that series to end, but also fitting in some ways with the defensive miscues that we saw in Game One. Yeah, and there was a, a few bad, like bad base running mistakes by Stanford that could have like saved them from getting into this position during this game, game three. So that's off to Stanford. They're in Omaha with a regular bloop single. Yeah. Fun fact, right. About Stanford is that they're 10 and 0 now in the last two seasons yeah. and regionals and supers when facing elimination. Yeah. And also 10 and one, because that one is in Omaha, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how they do in Omaha this year. Yeah, uh, it's... I'm going to go for my South Carolina, Florida series. This, uh, I think, will dovetail nicely into your next series, which is Duke-UVA, because Duke and South Carolina were a combined 5-1 and one against UVA and Florida in the regular season. And the nice. postseason, they were a combined 1-4, and four, uh, hashtag that's <laughs> baseball. Uh, South Carolina, yes, swept this regular season series against Florida, but lost this series to, oh, Jack Caglione didn't pitch. That's how dominant Florida was in the series, they, right? Didn't get to game three, didn't have any like testy moments. Like it was just a regular old, let's just destroy South Carolina. And game one, there was, it was a two run lead heading into the ninth. South Carolina got a run back. So it was ended up being a one run win. Florida, I thought looked pretty convincing though, throughout this entire series. And uh, if they weren't already on a lot of people's minds as one of the calls world series favorites, I think that, you know, they, they might be right in that conversation now after that series. Yeah, I I I had picked them to win the World Series in my like in our pre in our uh, pick them before the tournament. I now I feel a lot better about it. I guess it, it it's a makes me feel a bit more confident. But we'll see. And mine, like you said, with Duke, Duke won Game One of this uh, of this um, super round, and Virginia came back and just scored twenty six runs on on Duke and. That was another series that, that the was, next two games. It looked like there was a walk-off home run in game one, right? It was just Jake Geloff who had the ball that he thought he got most of and then oh, yeah. kind of like was like uh like realized he just didn't get enough of it. <laughs> ball was caught in the warning track. 
Yeah, I remember watching the highlights of that one and thinking that definitely went over the wall. My my heart rate spiked a little bit. But yeah, not yeah, meant to be. To Virginia Duke's pitching just kind of let them down a little bit. I think in the last game they used like nine pitchers and all of them had runs to their name or most of them had runs to their name. It, it's just we thought that this Duke bullpen was the best was one of the best bullpens in the super round, but it just wasn't meant to be. You know, we talked, or we'll have to talk about soon, the way too early top 25. I think I, I want Duke pretty high in it because a lot of those guys that they threw, yeah, they didn't have their best starts, but a lot of them were freshmen. They have a lot of really yeah. young arms there. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about pitching that pitching staff moving ahead. Postseason experience is important. So sure. Yeah, well, Stanford will prove that, whether that's true or not. They're the only team in Omaha this <laughs> year that has been to Omaha uh or that was in Omaha last year, and this is their third straight Omaha. So we'll see how much postseason experience matters. Last up for me, Kentucky at LSU. This is another one where Kentucky won a game in the regular season against LSU, but that was not meant to be in the postseason. Uh, have you heard of this guy? His name's Mr. Paul Skeens. I don't, I don't know. Does it ring any bells? Is it Skeenies? Is that how you say it? It might be Skinnies. You're right. Uh you know, not not too sure. It's always fun when some no-name guys have really great outings in the postseason. But no, yeah, all seriousness, there was some some rain issue of that series. Uh, 14-0 shutout game one, 8-3 win in game two for LSU. Uh, I think one of the positives was Tommy Tanks looked a little bit better. He's a little bit quiet in the regional. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't feel like there's much to say here besides LSU good. Like, yeah, LSU yeah. looked really good. Really great pitching. I think, uh, like, I guess that's something. The pitching was better in game two than it could have been for sure. Yeah, bullpen pitching is better. Yeah. I I also think that um, it's fun to note that Paul Skeens is, let's see, like twelve or fourteen strikeouts away from the SEC single season record for strikeouts. Mm-hmm. He's at one eighty eight, I think now, and he's yeah fourteen behind or sixteen behind Ben McDonald. I can't do math. With 202, and that happened in 1989. So that record's held for a long time. There's other some really uh, really nice names on that list: David Price, Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter. All those are up there. So we probably won't get that 235 single season record in the NCAA, but I think we're pretty close to that over under that we set earlier in the year. I think I think I said it at like 195. He's probably going to hit that over. So that's kind of nice. I hope that I, I think Ben McDonald probably will be calling those games because he does often travel the world, the College World Series to do some broadcasting. But if Skeens breaks that his record, that would be really awesome to hear Ben McDonald gets a call that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. My last one was Alabama Wake Forest. Alabama uh, <laughs> Wake Forest just dominated the series. That game two was twenty-two to five. That first game was a little bit closer at five to four, uh, but it, in my opinion, it didn't really feel like. It was ever in doubt that Wake was going to win that game. Uh, Bama hit a solo home, home run in the eighth in that first game to bring it within a run, but it just felt like their pitching was too good. Rhett Louder went six and a third, also let up three earned runs, which is not like him, but their their pitching is just too good. I This is, this is I don't know, probably going to be my national championship pick when we come up here. They just have – they're good at everything. They're good at everything they do. All three paths to the game. Wake Forest is too good. Yeah, the uh, some fun facts though. This is this uh, Indiana State TCU game one of that regional of the super regional was the highest attendance in a game of a college baseball in Texas. 
ever on a campus on a campus yes you're right yeah uh, and then and, same same and for like the, the for... occupancy of lupton is like five or six thousand right and they had like nine thousand yeah. people there i don't know how they did that <laughs> standing room yeah or fudge the numbers i don't know florida i think also set the on-campus record for in the state of florida so that's that's pretty cool yeah. I would have expected someone like Texas or AM to set that record for Texas first. It kind of makes sense for Florida. They just bought, just built a brand new ballpark. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lupton's not as big as, as a Condren family ballpark. Yeah. Oregon also set uh, records. I think both those are two of the super regionals. I think were the two of the most intended games at University of Oregon ever. Uh, Stanford sold out all their supers. I mean, I feel like it's cool when these schools across the country are doing this i think that that's a really good sign for college baseball when there's the demand like that all right let's take a quick break and we will be back with some interviews up next on the podcast some interviews from oral roberts coaches and players here are jake mcmurray and harley Goller of the oral roberts baseball team as they uh head into a big, big week. Head to Omaha in the Men's College World Series. Um, guys, really appreciate you taking the time. You know, wanted to start off with just the Super Regional this past weekend and the emotion and the atmosphere that that provided you all um, playing at Oregon. What was that like to just be able to, to pull off those those two wins facing really elimination in both cases? It was uh, an unreal feeling. I think the people of Eugene really showed out. I mean, the environment was absolutely crazy. It felt like we were playing a football game up there. <laughs> Just the way that we, we, we lost on Friday and then be able to bounce back and, and you know, win two in a row in a hostile environment like that was, uh, was pretty special. I think it speaks to the, uh, the toughness and the, and the resiliency of, the, of this group of guys. Harley, do you have anything you wanted to, to kind of add to that? Yeah, I think honestly, in general, it's one of those things where just the fact that we play in the Summit League, we don't necessarily get to play in front of crowds like that all the time. So whether they're kind of for or against you, it's always just a great environment to be a part of. Yeah. Um, I know personally, just after finishing my outing on Saturday and walking off the field and having the students, student section for Oregon just wear it and give it to <laughs> me from uh, right behind our dugout was quite an experience that, you know, obviously I'll never forget. So that was really cool all of itself. Yeah, and, and they did a they did a really good job. I think so. Whoever decided to put the uh, student section right up, right above our dugout, they made a conscious decision <laughs> to do that. It was uh, they were wearing it out pretty good for sure. Well, I'm sure it's one of those things where, yeah, like you said, whether they're for you or against you, it's it's kind of you know you you enjoy just being part of uh, an environment like that, and you know playing in in obviously a game where you know it's on the line, they know it's on the line, and they just. Uh, creates for a, a fun, you know, emotion-filled type atmosphere. You know, Jake, I know you had talked in, in the post-game press conference on Sunday, and, and I know Coach mentioned it as well, about how special this group was and, and that you, you guys kind of knew, even going back to the fall, that this was going to be a special group. Uh, what what stands out about this team, just in, in, for both of you all, in, in your opinion, I mean, what stands out about this group that's allowed you guys to achieve the success that you had this season? You know, I just think that we have a ton of experience, you know, and even even some of the young guys. Like, you know, we got two two weekend starters who are who are true sophomores, but but they pitched they pitched a lot for us as true freshmen last year as well. So they've got some experience. And then we've got Harley, who's 
you know, which has been great for us all year. He's he's an, he's a veteran guy, and then most of our lineup is is comprised of you know either fourth year seniors or fifth year seniors or, right. or juniors right. a lot. So um, you know, we never pay. I think it just comes back to the way that that form has prepared us and this coaching staff has prepared us for you know going about our business day in and day out. We always talk about you know the opponent doesn't matter. We play a faceless opponent, and I think we've really taken that to heart. And just uh, you know, every, everybody's bought in, whether you play every game or or you're one of the guys in the dugout cheering everybody on. But um, I've never been a part of a team like this that's so unselfish, and yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's fun to be around for sure. Harley, you want to kind of just add to that from your perspective, you know, being being part of the the staff and and kind of you know the the success that you guys have had a little bit. I mean, um, from your perspective, I mean, what's what's contribute to to the specialness of this group yeah i think um for sure obviously i'm i don't want to completely say exactly what jake said but i think just to kind of piggyback off it you know um yeah we're old i think we have a lot of guys who because as a team in general we're we're honestly relatively um most of us are somewhat newcomers too like we have a bunch of first year juco and and grad transfer guys um I think one, there's just, there's a bit of a common goal for all of us coming from these different places. So we're experienced, we're old and um, yeah, we're just extremely deep. Like I know in the past, I feel like I've been a part of teams where, um, you know, you feel like at times during the year, you either just, you, you know, whether it be from the pitching side of things, you kind of just run out of arms or um, even offensively, you feel like it's always, you know, the, the, the team in general relies on a few guys. I just feel like we're very deep and balanced and it's something that really goes a long way in postseason baseball. Certainly appreciate both Jake and Harley for taking the time to talk with me. Also had the chance to catch up with ORU head coach Ryan Fulmer. And uh, here's what he had to say about his squad's resilience and their fight up to this point. Really appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, amazing, incredible outstanding uh, super regional performance from you and your team. What was the emotion like there, especially through the back and forth of both of those first two games, especially then even in the first few innings of that third game, there was so much emotion going back and forth and, and the momentum swings. How did you handle all that from a, a coaching perspective there in the dugout? Because you kept your composure all the way through, which is, is really impressive considering the, the situations your team found itself in. Well, I'll, I'll answer it uh, a couple different ways. I think, uh, number one, hats off to the University of Oregon. I thought the, the atmosphere that they created in that ballpark was, uh, was unlike any that I've, I've ever been a part of. You know, we've been fortunate to play uh, all over the country and in some great venues, but the atmosphere that they created there, in my opinion, was, was unmatched. It was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, and uh, you had asked how I handled it, and I, man, I handled it pretty easy because I wasn't playing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, from my seat, you know, it's uh, it's fairly easy to handle. But very impressed with the way our players handled it. Um, you know, we have a group that is uh, that is a uh, very experienced. It's a veteran group. It's an older group. So I thought they handled it really well. Uh, and the second part of that, and B is is uh, they're just tough. They're yeah. mentally and physically yeah. a tough group, and they've been resilient all year long in a lot of different circumstances, and I thought they handled it extremely well. 
Yeah, and you bring up that resilience. You know, it's been a, a big storyline for you guys, especially as you talk about going on the road for basically the entire past month between your conference tournament, the Stillwater Regional, and then obviously this past weekend in Eugene. Uh, you know, in what ways, though, do you think you guys played a very tough schedule early on? You, you know, you took two or three at Texas State, which is a good program. You, you won at Wichita State, won at Oklahoma State this season. You know, when you schedule those tough opponents and play them in February and March and April, you know, how does that benefit your team when you get to this point in the season, when you are having to go in some of these road environments and, and win in tight, high pressure situations? Well, I, you know, I hope, uh, uh, I hope they draw on experiences and going on the road, as you said, in tough places to play and have success. Hopefully, you know, that culminates into some confidence. And I think, uh, I think this is a group that, that took all those experience and turned it into confidence and, and you can see the way they played at the end of the year. As you said, man, we're on a, we've been on the road for a long time. Our last series of the year was on the road. We stayed on the road to go to the conference tournament in Fargo, uh, came back home for a couple of days, and we're over in Stillwater, came back home for a couple of days, then you fly out to Eugene. Now we're back home for a couple of days, and you have an opportunity to go play in Omaha. So hopefully all those experiences pay off, and uh, our guys gain a little confidence from being in the road and playing good people, and uh, it kind of keeps rolling. You know, I'm interested because you talked about this, you know, several times in, on the ESPN post-game interview. Then uh, Jake McMurray talked about it as well. You guys said that you knew you had a special group even going back to the fall. And you've obviously been part of a lot of special groups here at Oral Roberts and, and some of the other places you've been at. How what what stood out about this team when you're going through the fall workouts and, and and that kind of thing that made you think, man, this is a team that really has it down. They they really can go far um, ultimately. I don't know if there's one thing I would point to to say, you know, that that is it. Uh, I think it's uh, you know it, it's a lot of different things. Number one, <laughs> I've said it again, man. Good players. Yeah, we we had a, a a really good group of talented guys that had an opportunity to be special. Um, they have to be coachable, uh, and they are definitely that. You have to have great leadership, and you talked about Jake McMurray, and I talked at length about his leadership qualities and what he's uh, what he's brought to this team, and this team has taken on his personality and have followed him throughout the season. I think that is uh, unique and special in today's, uh, in today's game, so that is definitely part of it. Um, you, you, you talk about the chemistry component of it, and those are things you don't really know a lot of times as a coach when you're putting these things together is what your culture is going to be like and what your identity is going to be and right. you know, how close is your group going to be. And uh, Again, I think it starts with leadership and our leadership council and how they uh, have brought this team together. And um, It's as close a group as we've had. It's as, it's as selfless a group as we've ever had as well. When you talk about putting teams together, are they willing to sacrifice uh, to be part of something that's greater and something that's better? Uh, and they have. So, uh, man, there's a lot of different components in the, to, to being able to have a team like this. Um, and it all happened in the right way, but it starts with good players. It starts with good leadership. It starts with work ethic. It starts with character and integrity. Uh, and this team epitomizes all of those things. 
We are back, Kyle, and is our last segment of the podcast. It's just a regular old 10 picks in five minutes. We found a way that we could both do five picks each. Uh, so we're going to go back to the OG here, which is 10 picks in five minutes. What we are going to do is we're going to go through each bracket in Omaha. Two brackets, right? Bracket one, bracket two. The winner of each bracket faces off in the championship series. What you and I are both going to do is pick our first and second place finisher for each bracket before then picking who is going to win the College World Series. So that's going to be two picks for each bracket plus one championship pick equals five total picks. Let's start off with bracket one. Bracket one for the uninitiated are... Uh, kind of comprised of TCU, Oral Roberts, Florida, and Virginia. And those are the matchups, TCU versus Oral Roberts, and then Florida versus Virginia, which has in part started re-sparking conversations about should the College World Series be reseeded. But what is done is done. Kyle, do you have any opinions on who's winning this bracket and who's going to finish as runner-up? Mm. This is tough. It is I mean, so both- tough. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like at this point, it's like you can easily start to tell yourself a story for each of these teams doing well, right? Like you can yeah. give yourself a best case scenario and a worst case scenario for each of these teams. Like, yeah, the bats don't quite show up for Virginia, even though they're super talented or like one of the Florida's great starters has a bad start or, you know, like you could start like figuring out how each of these teams gets cold, but all of them, all eight teams are hot, right? You can't get to Omaha without being hot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think... TCU and Earl Roberts are both like 20 something and two in their last game in their last 23 games or something crazy like that. I saw that over the weekend Yeah, and one so, right? Oral Roberts had won 22 in a row before they dropped the game one to TCU. So I think they're 24 and one yeah. in their last 25 or something like that. Yeah, that's it's crazy. It, I mean, every team here is hot. Florida has like dominated their super and made made it pretty far in, in Hoover and I, they're they're really good. They were my national championship pick, but I feel like I'm switching uh, I feel like I'm What's gonna that? make Virginia my bracket winner. All right. And uh, do you think so Virginia and Florida have to play each other, which makes the like permutations for how they play each other again in their bracket final a little bit tougher. But are those your top two does. from this bracket? No, I think I'm gonna go Virginia and then TCU as my runner-up in that bracket. I think I'm. I think I'm feeling. I think I like TCU's. Just how they're playing now. Their, they, their defense is just like playing really well. And I don't know. They're pitching. If they can get enough from from Klecker, I think that's. Oh, man, this is tough. What do you What are you feeling? I think I'm also. So I originally, when the postseason started, picked Florida to make the championship series. I think I'm going to put them as my runner-up in Virginia as a champion, which means that there's going to be a, a, a Florida would have to escape through the losers bracket and get back to that championship series, but um, or that championship game. But yeah, I'm I, I think the Virginia that we're seeing right now is the Virginia that was a top five team at one point. This is a top five Virginia. This is. We knew they were super talented uh, uh, position player group. They've gotten some really solid pitching. I mean, they're like, I want to say in the 100th percentile and the 99th percentile in FIP and WOBA. Like, they're like <laughs> statistically almost as good as Wake Forest is against a very similar schedule. Like, this is like an incredibly talented and good team. So I'm going Virginia over Florida is my final answer here. 
Yeah. And yeah, like you said, the permutations, I think it actually makes it a little bit easier to lose that game one and then make it in the next one. If you, if you think that Florida and Virginia are the better two teams, then like they would have a better chance of like not facing Virginia until that game six and seven, I guess. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I guess the fear would be whoever loses that game has to win obviously in the loser's bracket. And there's always a chance that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. But then whoever wins that game also has to win the winner's game or else they're going to end up playing each other in the elimination game before their That's true. final. Mm-hmm. And we'll get one of these wrong. That's that's kind of what I was feeling here for that Virginia and TCU pick, but it's tough. I, I feel like I could see any any four of these teams in like be the winner of the runner-up. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Yeah. For the record, the postseason predictor has the likelihood of advancing ranked as Virginia, Florida, Oral Roberts, and TCU. Yeah, that's TCU is like, I don't know, the odds down there. Uh, how did that work out for, for TCU? What goes into it? Uh, the, like So a big part of this is just statistical, like using their FIP and Wilbur and things like that. And in Omaha, mm-hmm. they actually have some of the worst values for some of those things. They're still like top, I want to say like 80 percentile, like they're in the 80th percentile or something like that. So they're still really good. Uh, something that doesn't really get captured super well by the postseason predictor is like hotness. And I feel like TCU yeah, in the hard. last half of the season is probably different than the TCU in the first half of the season. So I would guess that the predictor is undervaluing TCU. Yeah, you're probably right. And then like Oral Roberts is statistically up there, but they also had a lighter strength of schedule than the other teams. So they there is part of it. the Summit League. The postseason predictor has a component of, of strength of schedule in it. So. Yeah. Uh, that yeah but yes statistically wise oral roberts is like the yankees yeah (laughs) pretty absurd not like not like the uh number one seed that's in this bracket two yeah bracket two wake forest versus stanford and then lsu versus tennessee uh i'm pretty comfortable going with wake as my bracket champion i don't you have anything different to say about that hmm other than the fact that it's going to be hard to break the curse of the one seed i feel like i feel like this team that is is one that could do it i feel like you can't it's all independent years i know but there is a curse and i feel like tennessee's playing like the team after the team kind of like how like arkansas made it pretty far after the year that they were the one overall seed and this yeah this feels like one of those years maybe if you're into narratives tennessee gets a boost and wake forest gets a big dip right if you're into those narratives But I don't know how much the players listen to the baseball writers. <laughs> yeah. The script Some the script kind of. writers. <laughs> right. All right. But this this bracket is star studded. Like Wake Forest, they're gonna have a ton of like they hit a ton of home runs and they have one some of the best pitching like pitching staff uh pitchers and some really good depth. And Stanford has like the Pac-12 player of the year, the Pac-12 pitcher of the year, the Pac-12 freshman of the year, the Pac-12 coach of the year. Like they got all of those. And then LSU was the the team of the offseason. They were the number one team for the longest time. And Tennessee was up there and kind of fell off. But this this is really tough. I I feel like Wake Forest is my bracket winner. LSU is my runner-up. That feels too chalky to happen, but I don't know. And so yeah, in my mind, I think I've eliminated Stanford. I think Stanford is the worst team in this bracket, but that's yeah, that's kind of my step one. I could be wrong. Like that, that might mean Stanford wins this bracket, right? That's how it goes sometimes when you're in the college world series. 
I remember we re-ranked teams last year, and I think we ranked Ole Miss like sixth or seventh, and that you know they win the national champion. It's really hard to do this because they're all good, right? Um, but I think Stanford is the one that I feel least good about right now because beyond Quinn Matthews, even their like star reliever closer Bruno is just really struggling with command and supers. I, I just I don't see where they're going to get pitching. I think they could maybe win an elimination game. Like if they lose to Wake Forest, maybe win that game too. Maybe, mm-hmm. but I really I can't find a way for them to win three games. That's that's just really hard to do for for me. Um, so uh, I'm going to go, I think, Wake LSU as well. But I think that LSU-Tennessee matchup feels a little bit more like 51% LSU, 49% Tennessee in my mind right now. Like it's Tennessee is playing at their ability. They show now, you know, back-to-back weekends that they can win some games away from Lindsey Nelson. The thing against them in my mind is the way Omaha like plays, right? Like the, they're not going to hit that many home, home runs. But mm-hmm. if you have a pitching staff that's p- pitching at the potential of their staff, like they had in Hattiesburg, you might only need a you know a couple of home runs. And also, I feel like this narrative around Omaha no home runs is being rewritten in the last few years. Like we st- we've seen some home runs in Omaha in the last few years. Like it- it's not impossible to yeah. hit it out. Yeah. Part of that could be the the ball being juiced, or yeah. part of that could be the the pitch timer this year. If we'll see that if that has any effect on pitchers getting. I don't know, too amped up. I think that probably has something to do with it, but I want to see the the numbers next year, like home runs per game or something, uh, to see if pitchers get used to that. But yeah, I think it's just kind of going along with everyone's hitting more home runs. It's not it's not just a in Omaha thing. So Tennessee team feels like they have the depth, the pitching depth, to make it in Omaha, like to do well. In Omaha, with with Drew Bean, Chris Go- Chris Dollander, uh, all of those guys that they have, I, it's it's going to be tough. I I do think LSU has has rebounded a little bit with their bullpen arms, and the resurgence of Ty Floyd is, is kind of nice, along with obviously Paul Skeens. I I feel like yeah, Tennessee is going to win that. LSU is going to win that game, and then set them up well for being the runner up. All righty. All that's left now is to pick our champions. So it's for me, Wake Forest or Virginia. I'm going Wake in that one. Um, Curse of the number one seed is broken. Yeah, I, I'm also going Wake. I think, yeah, that's what I had. Wake in Virginia. So I'll go Wake. All right. You heard it here first. Wake Forest is your 2023 NCAA Baseball National Champion. Wow. Kyle, this is our last podcast of the season before College World Series gets going been a pleasure as always i uh, better not have any bachelor party plans this weekend and maybe actually you get a chance to watch some baseball i don't all righty <laughs> i will watch baseball thanks for listening to the college baseball nation podcast check out our website collegebaseball.info lots of great stuff there for postseason coverage be sure to check out our socials at collegeballnet Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.